Welcome everyone to Freightonomics. I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence here with the illustrious Anthony Smith, Lead Economist at Freightways. And we're here to tell you all about the freight markets and their interaction with the macroeconomic environment. Thanks again for joining us. Anthony Smith, hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving. I had a great Thanksgiving in Utah. Not Utah the state, but Utah, Alabama. If you haven't ever been there, I don't blame you. E-U-T-A-W? <laughs> you can pass it. E-U-T-A-W. E-U-T-A-W. Yeah. So, no, I had a great Thanksgiving. Happy to be back in the saddle here at Freightonomics. What about great. you? Good Thanksgiving? Well, yeah, it was good. I mean, we, we're talking like we haven't seen each other. No. We saw each other this morning <laughs> yeah. on the, the carrier shippers and updates <laughs> and all that other stuff. But we are Freightonomics, as Zach, Zach mentioned. Um, we are now live streaming, of course, on tv.freightways.com, where you should be watching all of your freight content for sure. But if by chance you're watching on LinkedIn, I'm going to be scouring those comments. So if you see me looking down, I can give you a shout out. If you have any comments, questions throughout the show, you want to jump into the action, feel free to make your voice heard there. But huge shout out to all of you that are watching and a shout out to the production team as well, getting us framed up, getting us our assets ready, getting everything put together. So a huge shout out to the folks behind the team, turning the mics on <laughs> for everyone. So huge shout out for everyone uh, uh, behind the scenes and all that good stuff. But without further ado, you saw the title of the show. Is that all you got? And I think that is appropriately titled for what we've been seeing. Because if you're in the supply chain and this is your first year, I'm sorry. <laughs> and this is your first peak season, I'm sorry. But we've been getting beat up pretty much throughout the last, what, year and a half or or so like 14 months about 14 months months, and now some things are kind of easing in a sense but you know who i feel for in all this who's that the freight brokers anybody that started being a freight broker during the last year year and a half i feel you like you gotta love you gotta if you made it through this far you love the game (laughs) yeah um because that is the the amount of management that you had to up your game to over the last bit is just I can't even fathom it. Exactly. <laughs> I can't even fathom it because carriers, of course, have more than they can handle. Uh, and they've had more than they can handle for a while now. Um, and that's not changing. So that all these disruptions, you know, I don't know if you've heard, Anthony, supply chain has got bottlenecks in it, produces all these spurts and ebbs and flows in demand. And one of the things that has, you know, really disconnected <laughs> from uh, history here in the last bit has been Thanksgiving's peak mm-hmm. didn't really peak like you would expect it to. Not to say that things didn't get uh, a little bit tighter. Spot rates did go up uh, a marginal amount, but they didn't get as high as I think a lot of us expected they would. Um, <clears throat> and we saw demand kind of fall off a little bit before the holiday because we've got all this inventory sitting around and things are changing. And we're not really sure how and when they're changing and the direction they're moving, but the pandemic has really shifted the way that people are behaving, the way shippers are moving their freight, the way shippers are storing their freight, the way consumers have purchased things in their freight. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is right now it's almost underwhelming. We've been so conditioned to this super elevated space that we're, uh, we're kind of like bracing for this Thanksgiving peak season, holiday season impact. And we're like, oh, it's just a little bit more of the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the inverse of this, I think, is times when you've seen, like, especially 2007, 2008, um, leading into 0809 recession, there have been times in the economy where we were just so low that 
even the slightest blip up seemed like, oh, wow, things are skyrocketing. This is a comeback. But it's just you're so low for so long. The smallest movements upwards seems like a big deal. Now, inverse of this, this is like we've been high and moderate at this high level for so long that the slightest decline seems almost like a fall off or a drop off or something like that. But it is still at a rapid growth. Like back then, it was still a ridiculously low level of production <laughs> happening um, for a long time in many industries after that 08, 09 recession. So I think this is like an inverse of that, of like even the slightest downward movements, it seems like a huge, okay, right. this is it, this is the break. But really it's like, no, this isn't a break. This is still <laughs> very much at a high level. Right, right. Well, let's, we've got some stories uh, to go through today. Let's go ahead and break down some newsonomics. Um, you know, news onomics. Yeah, get 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 right into some some stories. I like my stories. <laughs> I miss story time. Uh, what was that one was millennial that phrase? With, uh, Marianne earlier. I miss story time. Oh, from like your childhood. Yeah, where you sit down on the carpet, and you know everybody just gathers around. It was like the best time because it was like after lunch. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. Oh my Hated gosh, it. dude. Anyway, but what's that uh, that term that you learned from Kaylee uh, around stories and and latest news? I think it begins with a T. I don't. And that might be the entire word. <laughs> tea. Tea? Oh, the tea. Spill the tea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So are you, are you what? You, you spilling the tea on the, on the freight news? No, no. News I mean, that's, that's up to our, our editorial staff. Okay. And, and Todd Maiden did an, <laughs> an exquisite job, okay. uh, as I described our tender rejection rate as this morning on Freight Waves now, uh, of explaining, you know, this inventory situation. It's, mm-hmm. uh, and, he, and he highlights in his article, and I highly recommend everybody go out, anybody that has an interest in freight movement and especially peak season right now, this is a very interesting article. He breaks it down uh, very nicely in terms of how these retailers are recovering their inventory levels. Uh, and right now, you know, I, I believe Amazon was like the only one that was showing an inventory level increase. No, there was one other one. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a marginal increase. Amazon was the only one showing a two-year increase in inventory level related to demand. So if you think that through, that makes sense because Amazon has expanded their <laughs> operation over the last two years dramatically. But everyone else, like you got Home Depot, Kohl's, uh, the list of them was there and basically said, these you know inventories are up year over year. But when we go all the way back to the pre-pandemic era in 2019, uh, they're still down. And demand is still high. Like demand has increased. So, uh, and they, they of course account for that in this in this statistic. But Todd Maiden does a wonderful job of you know highlighting just how well uh, these retailers are managing. And he also goes on to say that there's a little bit of disconnect here because these inventories um, may be a little bit uh, tenuous in the way that we're talking about how all these supply chain managers over ordered. For the future. So maybe a lot of this inventory isn't representative of this current demand, but of future demand that they're getting out, trying to make sure that they avoid the supply chain bottlenecks. That, that makes sense. And one of the things that I have a on the spot question for you, Ooh. and this is kind of around some of the aspects of what we're seeing right now, especially for retailers and consumers, all that, all the above, the pull forward of inventory. I mean, We've seen it for some time now, not just downstream, but upstream as well. When we're looking at certain uh, upstream manufacturers pulling forward commodities and trying to sit on commodities for just in case versus just in time um, you know, scaling. And so when we're looking at uh, a lot of people pulling in some of those inventories for 
um, you know, just in case they run out and there's a supply chain disruption or anything like that, they want to be in the best position. Do you think, you know, we're going to get into a position at some point next year, maybe mid-2022, where there is such a pull forward that now there is like a glut of just An stuff. Overhang. yeah. And now, <laughs> you know, demand has eased in such a, you know, meaningful way because, you know, inflation maybe has taken hold, savings rate has come down and moderated at a regular level. And now we have all this stuff just sitting here. Do you see that as a possibility of an just overload of just inventory for some commodity or I should say uh, durable goods for consumers? Yeah, I, I think... I would almost turn that question back around to you here at the end, yeah. uh, because you're going to have to tell me. <laughs> you're going to have to <laughs> tell me what that consumer is going to do. Uh, they're losing their faith yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. Uh, and <clears throat> so, yes and no is the answer to that question. <laughs> we'll go back uh, to it. Yeah, the yes and no. I, I think that's kind of the looming question on everybody's mind is just when will the economy kind of pull the reins, you know, and when will things kind of slow down? Inflation will have an impact. That is not in debate. Yeah. It's going to have an impact. The question is, when is it going to have the biggest impact? Are we going to see some sort of dramatic uh, fall off in demand? Are we going to see these inventories not get, uh, you know, just sitting there? After, you know, they're still on the boat and the demand's already gone. <laughs> uh, that, that's the big question that I think a lot of the shippers out there are trying mm -hmm. to figure out. We, uh, you know, we're going to pull up a, an index later that kind of illustrates the uncertainty. Uh, that everybody is really facing right now. And I think there's definitely going to be some people left holding a pile of inventory that they can't get rid of. Yeah. Because you don't stop ordering freight um, thinking that things are going to get worse because that's that's almost the worst thing you could do because then you <laughs> miss you miss the the peak. You miss yeah. the you miss the inventory. Like if you don't make that sale, customers get mad. Uh, and then they find alternatives and you lose market share. It has all sorts of big time downstream impacts. Whereas if you just threw some discounts out there, which will reduce the inflationary pressure and maybe course correct naturally, um, you can get rid of that inventory relatively inexpensively. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't think, you know, even though they want to avoid overordering to an extent, I don't, I don't think they're as worried about that as they are about missing out on the potential the cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge part because whenever I was, you know, back in my economic consultant days, when a lot of businesses were acting in the midst of a robust growth cycle, it was already too late. You should have been prepping for this during the downswing when mm -hmm. things are starting to really churn and, and heat back up. And so, I mean, when we're looking at this, this is definitely that cycle where things might be moving upwards and you really have to be able to put yourself in the best position to capture what's going on in that growth cycle. Likewise, when things start to come down, mm -hmm. you have to start prepping for that downward movement because that's the time where you can really capitalize, especially on a lot of your competition. I used to do competitive analysis as well, and that was one of my favorite things. Maybe it's just sick of me, but I just love trying to <laughs> squeeze the competition and really being sure that you can get ahead of yeah. where they are. I think a lot of shippers are, are actively doing that right now, really trying to maximize that upswing and downswing because, like you said, you can really kind of grow your market share, especially during those downward movements. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nobody's going to, like, yeah, if you overorder, you know, a little bit, it's not going to hurt you, like, yeah. dramatically. I mean, warehouse prices are high and getting higher, and, of course, cramp, and inventory management is a nightmare operationally, but it's, in the total big picture of it, you can, you can handle it as long as you, you know, obviously don't have 
too much. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's not like <clears throat> so far we haven't seen any kind of sign that we're going to see a dramatic drop. Like it looks like we're going to get some sort of lead time showing us that inflation is having this like aggregated impact on the consumer business investment is still robust and that has a longer life cycle to yeah, it yeah. Uh, than the consumer cycle does because it takes them a while to figure out, Oh wait, the consumer stopped buying stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so it, it's, it, I think we're going to see one of those slow grinding tails to this cycle. Uh, it's coming. It's going to not be this way forever. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that, but uh, very interesting in terms of inventory management. I want to pull up a chart. Uh, this is the one you don't, you don't really like this economics chart, but I really like this economics chart. Uh, it's the inventory to sales ratio, uh, you know, that we have here in Sonar. Now, this is just a, a standard, uh, you know, macro measure. Uh, and this is something that this is exactly what all those companies are using. You know, this is how they're measuring uh, their inventory level right now is the inventory to sales. And right now you're looking at it and it's showing about a 1.26. It doesn't take an analyst to understand that that is still well below where we were, not just in 2019, where many people would say, okay, all these, why are we comparing it to 2019? That wasn't, that was a year of slow, you know, didn't have a lot of demand side pressure on it. And inventories were easily managed at that yeah. point. We had the trade war going on, the pull forward from all that. Well, we're still below 2018. <laughs> 1.26, extremely low, and that's as of September. So it's, you know, that's the end of the third quarter. Yeah. So I can only imagine that the fourth quarter pressure was probably keeping it relatively low itself. Yeah, I would say so. And I mean, this is one of the charts when I look at it, you know, inventory to sales ratio. It's a really good sign of efficiencies because, of course, you want to make sure that it is running on point. You have a tight turnaround you don't want too much inventory, especially now because you look across the board at warehousing prices and that is pricey. So even if you can maximize on certain sales or match sales, if you have too much in inventory that's now eating up some of your warehouse, warehouse pricing, that's going to eat into your bottom line. And so it's a delicate balance here that you're, you really have to kind of play. And that's yeah. what we are just talking about in the previous story. That's a frustrating job to yeah. have right oh, it's now. It's a nightmare to have. It's I talked about freight brokers feeling bad for them. Warehouse managers, inventory, anybody yes. that's managing inventory or assets at this point, God help you. God bless you. Hopefully you have enough employees, which probably not. <laughs> speaking of freight brokers, so we have Brenda Brown of PIE, uh, I'm sorry, PEI saying, as a broker who has been extremely busy for two years, when things seem slower, when it's not in chaos, I feel panic and start <laughs> to running my business numbers is chaos addiction that sets in and it's i think that's really well phrased brenda thank you for for chiming in on that, that is one. But such can, a good way to phrase it like yeah. a chaos addiction like it does you it feeds you like i know that personally <laughs> if i feel like i have room to move i start kind of panicking <laughs> like what what am i forgetting yeah you know and i think that's kind of our culture at this point too is that uh if you haven't if you're not busy like what'd you miss Exactly. Once you drop off. So let's move on to our next story uh, because this one, it, it's, it's, it's a big deal uh, in the scope and the, the, the way that we're seeing these shippers build out their supply chains. Um, and they're getting increasingly focused on transportation. This one is, of course, my Todd Maiden as well. Uh, was Wilson Logistics acquired by nation's biggest furniture retailer, which is, of course, Ashley Furniture. 
Um, big, huge. These, these guys manage a ton of freight, Anthony Smith. Yeah. Furniture <clears throat> is one of the bulkiest commodities you can move. Therefore, most of it moves on a truckload. Uh, very difficult to handle at times. Um, and this, this is a global supply chain uh, company. So they have a lot of their inventory coming in from overseas through the various ports in the United States. Um, and they purchased a trucking company. And, it's, and this trucking company is largely focused in the West. So even though Wilson is going to still have their own customers and accounts, mm -hmm. this, isn't a, this isn't a new thing. This is just, it's interesting that shippers are taking more. This is the second or third one that I think we've talked about in the last bit. Uh, shipper that is that is bought some sort of logistics company. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a big thing that's really happened throughout the pandemic for sure. Supply chain has always kind of been for shippers, I think, uh, like a back office thing. Like, hey, you figure it out. You know, right. it's not as the forefront. You know, but now it's been brought to the forefront. It's being brought into the scope of being a priority, and, and I think that. This move, it mm -hmm. makes all the sense in the world when you kind of start to think about what right. they might be going through, especially as a furniture shipper. So I think, uh, I mean, it's it's a great move. Yeah, I don't know. I got to dive into, uh, you know, <laughs> Wilson Logistics as a company, but I, it, it makes all yeah, the I sense. I think they had like 1,600 trucks. So that's pretty big. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty big. And they got a brokerage, of course, as well. So they're going to have access to a lot of different carriers through that. And, you know, overall, I think it just shows... That yeah, if, if you're a shipper you and you're not paying attention to your transportation at this point, it's you know probably too late. Um, yeah. So I want to progress into I want to show two things, and then I want to let you macroeconomically uh, jump in on them. I want to bring up uh, the inbound TUs index, the IOTI.USA. So we talked about inventory management, uh, you know, and the way that these shippers are, you know, still struggling to come up, you know, bring it high enough where they're probably comfortable, um, you know, having inventory available to, to sell, make sure that they get, get all that revenue. The IOTI measures inbound volume. So bookings coming from overseas into the United States. This is a leading indicator for demand. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to hit the surface modes right away, but it just means that shippers are ordering inventory. And this is what you take away from this, is that they are still ordering a whole lot of inventory. Yeah. Seasonally speaking, I pulled this out, <clears throat> and you really can't see the seasonality anymore because COVID. <laughs> but, but at the same time, we're seeing this kind of waning uh, effect of the demand. Mm -hmm. After the Texas freeze event and the third quarter stuff jumped up, we saw this, you know, it kind of fell off, mainly because we got bottlenecks. Yeah. Porter Yan Chan shut down too. Uh, so, but now there's a different, not just that waning. You see about there in September, the first part after that August peak, we really become, it's, it's still waning a little bit, but it becomes increasingly volatile. And that to me is a big sign that shippers are still uncertain about what to order, how much to order, when they bulking their orders. That is, that is uncertainty. <laughs> and, as long, and it's still staying high. So they're ordering at a very uncertain pace. Yeah. I guess is what to take away from this. Yeah, and and I think the, of course the big thing that's going to come down to is because a lot of it's going to be consumer driven. Yep. What are people going to buy? And when you're looking at that, is what state the consumer is in, 
are they going to continue to buy at this rapid rate? Uh, is demand going to wane? Is it going to fall off in such a level where, you know, now you're going to be stuck with all this inventory? So mm-hmm. I think this is the perfect tra- the, yeah. the perfect way to kind of come full circle on it is because right. when we look at the state of the consumer right now, I know we were talking about initial jobless claims, that number that just came out um, to this morning at mm-hmm. 8.30 a.m. If you're not watching and Googling it and searching <laughs> it and refreshing at 8.29 in the morning like I am, <laughs> I, I, I obsess over these numbers. But looking at that number that hit 199000 last week, which we saw was, you know, of course, uh, distortion in some of the seasonal trends and adjustments, but now at 222000 So we're seeing that consumers are in a good position. We're seeing that uh, that initial jobs claims number really kind of showing. It's not the end-all, be-all for all consumer numbers, but it is one of those numbers that's going to show the state of the consumer as, as you know, how they are feeling, how they are operating. Um, are they applying for more unemployment mm-hmm. benefits? We get unemployment rate out tomorrow, expecting some slight downward movement there as well. But when you're looking at the state of the consumer, that's going to be the big, uh, you know, the big game changer for a lot of these shippers are going to be playing this guessing game. Um, right now, we definitely see that uh, consumers have uh, savings rates coming down. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, rotating, revolving, I should say, revolving uh, credit card usage, credit cards. <laughs> getting swiped up, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> buy now, pay later, getting more and more popular. Um, so we're seeing... They don't have this, like, like I, on that point, they don't have as much money just sitting there available as they had earlier on in the pandemic. Right. 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 The assets have grown, though, uh, on, on a broad level. So, you know, looking at the values of their homes have gone up. But those who have made home purchases are now taking on more, more higher mortgages because now we're seeing that non-revolving credit mm-hmm. increasing at a pretty substantial rate as well. Big stuff. We're seeing big stuff, yeah. yeah. Houses, um, cars, I don't know, maybe you got a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I know campers and RVers talking to David Bradford about right. you know some of those outdoor uh, stuff. You know, During the pandemic, those are hard to come by you right. know, because a lot of people were buying those up. And so looking at all that non-revolving credit is really... Um, building up. And that's going to be one of those concerning things I'm going to be watching closely. But really, the consumer is starting to run out of tools. Now it's just going to be off of those new wages that they've gotten. But right. those wages have been outpaced, of course, by inflationary levels. So let's go into 2022 a little bit. Yeah. Because I think I think everybody's kind of really on edge. <laughs> I want to pull up one more chart. The Outbound Tender Rejection Index for the United States. Now this, this one is, you know, of course, the rate at which carriers are rejecting shippers tendering truckload freight. So the higher this number is, the tighter the market is, less available capacity is, et cetera. It's not a pure demand side indicator. It is a supply side as well, uh, where it's, you know, when we're talking about trucking availability. And it's gradually coming down. <laughs> now, some yeah. of this is due to the fact of what you just talked about, inflation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, <laughs> we're, we're already seeing, I think, the front end of the economy kind of stabilizing, the consumer kind of easing back a little bit. They're not spending as much money. They're probably not going to spend as much money next year as they did this year, pending. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that we see some sort of dramatic change in January? And, and I mean, we, we all have this like group psychology going. Yeah, yeah. We're all programmed to operate almost seasonally. January, what happens to the tender rejection index, you think, based on consumer activity? So I, th- I think consumer activity is going to ease into January. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's still going to be pretty robust-ish for sure. I don't think it's going to be any record break or anything like that, but I think it's going to be a, a, a typical January. February is where I think it really starts to kind of shift a little bit. That's uh-huh. why I'm expecting a little bit more downward movement. 
the first quarter, I'm not that optimistic about having like this, you know, blockbuster showing. I think, of course, there's going to be a lot of maybe delays or or pull-throughs that you weren't quite able to get through through Christmas that mm-hmm. now get pulled into January. But that first quarter, I think, is going to be a very telling sign of some slowdowns, especially as some of those consumer trends really start to work against each other. I don't know. I think you're a little too pessimistic. I think we're all still transitioning into uh, a different world, different climate. The more free time people have, the more money they spend, mm-hmm. the more they want to go out and get stuff. And now they've been addicted to buying stuff. Like she was addicted to chaos earlier. Now we're more addicted. Maybe to they stuff. even travel. <laughs> if Omicron doesn't shut everything down. But oh my God. Uh, this has been Cranonomics. We're coming up at the end of the show. Real quick, Debatonomics from the back. Artificial trees or real trees? Real trees. Uh, best Christmas movie? Christmas Vacation. I'm thinking something a little bit of horror twist. Um, <laughs> uh, drink more water. Yes. Drink more water. Get sleep. <laughs> wake up at the right sleep cycle. I agree with that. That did not happen <laughs> for me today. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode, of course, every Thursday. See you later.